3: All right. Are the stars out tonight? I don't care if they're cloudy or bright.
2: Bonnie, what are you doing? (laughs) 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 i Adam. What were you you doing right there?
3: I was just getting ready for the show, setting a mood. I'm in a good mood.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, then I'm ready too. Here we go. (laughs) to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, tanks. They're not just for keeping your goldfish or invading Poland anymore. Nowadays, the it tank is the think tank. But what is a think tank? What are they thinking about in there? And is it hard to hear each other because of all the echoing and the fish and the rolling into Warsaw? We could fill a tank with what we don't know about think tanks. But tonight, Brett Theodos from the Community Economic Development Hub of the Urban Institute will emerge from his tank to fill up ours with knowledge. And speaking of knowledge, we're going to drop some on y'all. You have questions about how we do things, and we have answers. It's our NLTPP Q&A. I'm Adam Felber, sequestered in my Ivy Tower, carefully crafting podcast policy to create a more just, equitable, and sustainable program for the 21st century and beyond. And now, please welcome the woman who glances at those plans, lines a litter box with them, and sets our ship of state on a course for the nearest Dorito retailer. It's Paula Poundstone. Oh! Welcome, Paula.
0: Hey, Adam, and thanks to tonight's house band, third-time returning champ, and nobody, Raymond Horton of Floyd's Knob, Indiana, on Euphonium.
4: Uh, the Euphonium. Hey, hey. Hey.
2: Thank you, Raymond. Thanks, Raymond. And thank you to Boy. the Hamlet of Floyd's Knob or, or uh, for lending you to us.
0: Yeah, yeah, It's the pride <laughs> of Floyd's Knob. Now, Raymond what Horton. is
2: new, Paula Poundstone?
0: Well, you know what, I was away uh, uh, over the weekend, I was away uh, on a couple of jobs. And, you know, I I feel so concerned about how not nice so many people are to one another at this time. And so it's sort of heightened my desire to be helpful and friendly, which is very hard behind a mask, because nobody can really tell that, you know, I'm smiling, for example. So I had flown to uh, Pittsburgh, and I got off the airplane, and it was, uh, it was nighttime, you know, later at night. And there was this older woman uh, that was walking. She was in front of me, and then I eventually overtook her because she was walking very, very slowly. She was kind of hunched over. And that Pittsburgh airport is really long. So uh, she had a purse that was giant, but she didn't have other bags. But I kept watching her because I was really concerned that she wasn't going to be able to make such a long walk. Um, And so at one point I turn and say to her, I go, boy, it's, you know, it's really long ways, huh? And she seemed to respond. But, you know, then she just kept at her task. We didn't exchange words. But, you know, she looked at me and she looked like she was smiling under that mask. So, uh, So now I've walked past her and I keep looking back because I'm concerned that she's not going to make it. And I thought, should I ask her if I could carry her purse? And then I thought, well, no, she's not going to say I can carry her purse, for heaven's sake. <laughs> so I just kept walking and walking, we came to an escalator, and I literally went back, to, you know, backed up a little bit so that I could keep an eye on her getting on the escalator. And then there's another goddamn escalator. And now I start to realize that from her perspective... Someone has said something to her that I'm not sure she really understood, but maybe she did. But someone keeps watching her. Do you know? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to be helpful, but then I realized, she, I think she feels like she's a mark now. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I kept looking back, and then there was. It's such a long airport. Then we get to like one of those train shuttle things. And I'm like, damn it. You you don't even walk just to the baggage claim. You have to take a stupid train thing to the baggage claim. So I stand Uh there waiting for, and the doors open, and she didn't get on. I think she was, like, trying to lose me because she thought I was, like, stalking her to take that big purse. (laughs) Yeah, it was entirely not like I wanted her to feel like uh, it takes a village. I wanted her to feel like, you know, strangers will be helpful. But I think, you know, she was probably lagging back because she was going through her bag trying to find her Swiss Army knife or something, you know, to protect herself. I mean, right now, right now, she's recording her podcast. She does a podcast called uh, Older Women with Big Purses. And <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's, it's a niche
2: podcast, but a successful one.
0: She's telling a story right now about how when she flew to Pittsburgh, um, that uh, someone stalked her and almost took her purse. Um, you mean
2: you didn't go back and actually take it? Well, you missed an opportunity there.
0: No, no, I didn't. I didn't. take, And I and it would have been easy. It really would have been. Oh, easy. yeah.
2: If you'd gone back yeah. one more time, she would
0: have been like, come on, just take it, take it and don't hurt me. Yeah, she would have like thrown it at me, and then I would say run the other way. But she, wa- I don't think there was running. What running was left. But uh, anyways, run. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Well, that's a that's a yeah. p- bad feeling.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a good feeling.
2: Hey, but you know what? Speaking of bad feelings, it's time to get to our book club and eat, pray, love.
0: <laughs> now I'm that's not them. a bad feeling. I love the book club.
2: I love the book club. I'm, uh, I, I, none of us are loving the book, although I have some nice things to say about it this week. Um, oh so I'm boy. calling the meeting of the nobody listens to Paula Poundstone book club to order. Of course, we are. Uh, we read chapters thirty six through forty five, I believe, of Eat, Pray, Love this week, and it was. Uh, a, it's a journey. It's definitely and it's literally a journey this week because this was the uh, these were the chapters where she she says goodbye to Italy by taking a quick trip to Sicily. And then she uh, heads to an ashram in India where she hadn't told us that she was heading there before, but she apparently has a guru, and she practices yoga, and she's a meditator, and she goes to her little ashram, and um, she's concerned that she's terrible at meditation. And then if you've been listening to this book club till now, you're probably aware of what happens next. She turns out to be better at it than anybody ever has been and uh, has a spiritual experience that make all of yours listening look stupid.
3: <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah. Hey, yeah I have it's, something. It's... What? I have a theme song for a book club. Oh, thank oh, goodness.
2: Whoa. We've already started the book club, Bonnie. It'll have to wait till next week.
0: No, speaking I can put it of, in right uh, now. Speaking of spiritual <laughs> <Okay>. experience. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. What do you got, Bonnie?
0: Okay,
3: here we go. Wait. We've got a book club. We've got a book club. I myself can't stand the booky, booky book. Mm-hmm. We've got a book club. We've got a Jesus. book club. We've got a book mm-hmm. club tonight. Wow. wow. Um,
2: all right. There's so much <laughs> to unpack here. And I want to unpack none of it, but I have to ask number one, any particular reason why you said it to the tune of comedy tonight?
3: You know, like I'm setting, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a mood for a show tonight. Something oh, yeah. Big tonight. It's a book club tonight, yeah. an opening. Yeah. You uh, know, and, there's. And what was the instrumentation there, Bonnie? Uh, take a guess. A bowl? Uh, no.
2: Yeah, bowl sounds right. Maybe old fashioned milk bottle?
3: No. What was it? Pot and spoon. Oh, she's playing the Pond <laughs> you know, and know, so. And I can do, because Adam mentioned this to me before, like try a little different style of music. We mm-hmm. got a book club. We got a book club. We got a bookie, booky book club tonight. What, what are you doing now? What's the new style? What is that? <laughs> Wasn't that Ricky? Oh yeah, yeah it was. Oh my god, was exactly god. reggae. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, um, yeah, I'm gonna just go yeah. ahead and say yes. Thank you for the reggae, yeah. Bob. No, that was um. that was
0: that was reggae. And you know what's weird is I had thought that Bob Marley was dead, but whoa! Thank you, Bob Marley. Um, you know, in the book, when she's at the ashram. Um, she describes this teenage kid and that she asks another, uh, an Indian woman there about the teenage kid. And the woman said, when he plays the drums, you feel you're hearing God. And I just want to say, I had the exact same experience right now. When, when you, Bob Marley, played the, the pot yeah. and spoon. Oh my God. Yeah, was, uh, I'm i It quite, quite an
2: experience for all of us, I think. Um, Let's get to the actual book club. And I'm guessing that this detour might have to do with the idea that Bonnie didn't read the chapters. Um. I
0: I I just want to give an important tip to listeners right now. Yes. Well, it's just that, remember, part of the beauty of what we're doing here is that it is a podcast, and so you can go back and listen to that song again. (laughs)
2: <laughs> both the original and the reggae remix are available to you at any time
0: uh, it's phenomenal now, phenomenal Bob, Bonnie, i am
2: just before i get to my my feelings on the book i am going to assume that you didn't read it this week that you devoted all your time to composing the theme song
3: i'm speechless i'm yeah. right
2: okay so <laughs> i do want to say this I want to say this, and and I don't know how those of you who read it feel. I felt like her chapter on Sicily was exactly what I'd hoped that the book would be. There's a lot of information about Sicily and a lot of interesting stuff, and it was a little like a travelogue, And I was really happy to read that chapter. And then it, you know, went into self-centeredville again, and I I got bored. In fact, at the end of the Italy chapter, I wanted to bring this up. She says, um, that you know how she's expanding in her in her world, and she's made and she thinks that that's a good thing to do. And she says maybe I will leave with the hope that the expansion of one person, the magnification of one life, is indeed an act of worth in this world. And then adds, even if that life, just this one time, happens to be nobody's but my own. Just this one time? Has she been Mother Teresa-ing it up before this book? I don't, I I just, I mean, we've been talking for weeks about how this seems to be all about her, and then she's like, well, this one time, I'm gonna make it about me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I
0: think we've uh, we've we've crossed that line several times over now.
2: <laughs> yes, well, and that's so anyway, so then she heads to this ashram in India which sounds really exclusive and really um expensive and it has great food and it's around a impoverished town that doesn't seem to bug her much. Um and and I told you guys last week how I've been kind of fact-checking her cuz I'm bored. Uh, <laughs> at one point she's talking about how tough life might get at the ashram. And she says, you'll be living in close quarters with strangers in rural India. There are bugs and snakes and rodents. The weather can be extreme, sometimes torrents of rain for weeks on end, sometimes 100 degrees in the shade before breakfast. Things can get deeply real around here very fast. And then in the next chapter, she reveals that she arrived on New Year's Eve, basically in India, which I looked up uh, in the the area around Mumbai where she is. It is the mildest and least rainy. It's nowhere near the rainy season. It's mild weather. She went at the perfect time. The risk of weeks of rain is zero, and 100-degree mornings aren't on the menu either. So uh, there, I've spoken my piece. Okay,
0: but she's telling other people what might happen. You know, right?
2: <laughs> but not mentioning that she's chosen the good weather, and then she meets a Texan who gives her good advice on how to meditate, and she sees this beautiful blue light, and uh, that's where we left her. Uh, Tony Anita Hall over in Sherman Oaks. What say that's you? That's me.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I actually okay. First of all, I for I really love Richard from Texas. I'm glad he's finally made an appearance because I think he's a fun character. And then also, I really think her description of trying to meditate is accurate. I have felt that way before. So I actually, I felt that felt relatable, probably the most relatable piece thus far in the book. Tony,
0: are you often trying to meditate while we make the podcast? Has that been a problem? No.
1: No, I would never do that. Tony's too busy Googling. She's either
0: Googling or trying to (laughs) meditate during the podcast.
2: Well, maybe by meditate, she means Googling.
0: Yeah. Do you remember the time we were just, uh, I think it was back when we were reading um, Moby Dick, and Tony just shouted out at one point when I was describing the book "Uh, a blue light. And at the oh, time, yeah. I, I didn't know what she was talking about, but now I realize she was meditating while, uh, yeah. while we were supposed to be having the book club. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of behavior problems there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm going to do this, but I'm going to head north to the Simi Valley and ask Bonnie Burns what she thought of the chapter she didn't read.
3: Well, who said I didn't read them?
0: Me. Well, Oh. You, uh, you also didn't answer when he asked you, and that was kind of telling.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I was trying to be tantalizing. Oh, you were being tantalizing? Like Elizabeth Gilbert.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Tantalizing. My apologies,
2: Bonnie. Yeah. Please share your thoughts on the chapters.
3: Okay. So I have two things I could respond with. So one of them is from Google. I Googled something about the book, and what came up was what is the message in Eat, Pray, Love? And the other has something to do with a talk show I once produced and a response that somebody semi-famous gave when the host asked a question.
0: Can I ask you something? (laughs) Did you ever do a report, like, in high school? Because (laughs) so far, the things that you're suggesting... (laughs) It's like the teacher says, "Okay, everyone, write a report on Egypt," and, and you come in and say, "I googled Omar Sharif, and I can I can tell you about Omar Sharif, or I can tell you about uh, um, it, yeah, it, how how to bake muffins." It feels like when you when you when you forgot to
2: buy somebody a birthday present, you give them something that's absolutely some bric-a-brac you had in your car. <laughs>
3: No, it's like I'm a producer. I met Paul as a producer. I kind of like to make things like a little produced. It's like a little flowery. I want to thank you for
0: that partially used um, uh, container of travel Kleenex. Thank you. <laughs> you shouldn't okay. have. All but right. the question is, what did you think about the book? Well,
2: I'm doing my best. But your best apparently doesn't involve reading the chapters.
3: Okay, maybe I was a little busy this week, but I, I still have I moved to censure Bonnie Burns. You asked me, no, wait a second. You asked me what I apology. thought about the book. You asked me what I thought about the book, and I have a response. I could give you a choice, or I'll just say my, my response. Do you want my response? Uh,
0: why I would, would I you accept something? Adam's apology? <laughs> Oh okay. my god!
3: Something okay, at this point, Adam, I'll take. I'll take question. that fucking
2: half melted hard candy. Just give it to me. Ask me. Ask
3: me the question. <laughs> <laughs> what do I think about the book? We're going up to specifically chapters thirty six through forty five. What do I think about the chapters? Okay, here's what I thought about the chapters. <laughs> Once I was. <laughs> once I was doing a talk show (laughs) and we had Zsa Zsa Gabor's daughter on Mm -hmm. and so she Mm -hmm. was sitting there and the host said what's it like to be Zsa Zsa Gabor's daughter and she pulled out a tape recorder and she said everybody asked me what's it like to be Zsa Zsa Gabor's daughter she pushed the play button and the tape recorder said I don't care and that's my how I respond to what I thought of the chapters. Uh, You know... (laughs) (laughs) Oh! Oh, Bonnie, I want to
2: apologize for moving to censure you a moment ago. I am moving (laughs) to
0: double censure Bonnie Burns. Bonnie! Bonnie! Bonnie. tin, A tin of expired sucretes. You shouldn't have.
2: Wow, well... Uh, Bonnie, Boy, you thank you for really... that half a half a cup of Diet Coke and what appears to be a bird's nest that you brought to this potluck. But
5: um... <laughs> I used my time. Yeah.
0: A, isn't is that a map? Is that a, a a map of a quarter of Nevada? Thank you. Um...
2: <laughs> I'll hang this right with last year's pl- present.
0: Yeah. Oh.
2: All right. Um, oh, oh, a Christmas
0: tree shaped deodorizer. Thank you. I hadn't.
5: <laughs>
0: it was on my list. It's fantastic. Um, oh, this is uh, Paula, wonderful. Paula, what did
2: you think of the chapters?
0: <laughs> First of all, I think that if you distill Elizabeth Gilbert down. She is the birthday girl, 365 days a year. Uh, that's kind of who she is. Oh,
2: so on point. Very well done.
0: Now, okay, so in the part where she's gone to India, she was given a mantra. I think it's Om Nava Shavya. I think it is. Um, but it she is. explains that her mantra doesn't really roll off her tongue. That's part of the challenge she's having. And I would recommend to her she do what I do. Uh, which is, I use Bed, Bath & Beyond. Um, it's <laughs> it, it's on the top of my mind a lot. It's easy to remember. Bed, Bath & Beyond, Bed, Bath & Beyond, Bed, Bath & Beyond. So uh, she also says that there is an irreplaceable high of actually being around a yogic master. Um, wow, that's that's powerful. I mean, how that didn't, like, just send people to India. What if, what if you could actually snort a yogic master? I bet that's an unbelievable
5: <laughs>
0: Oh, 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 what about this? What if there were gummy yogic masters? That would be the best. Oh. Oh, Or chocolate my yogic
2: masters.
0: Oh, that would be fantastic. She says that you can discipline yourself in your... Because ma- she says her yogic master wasn't at the ashram when she was there, but she... Explains that this is really better. Um, she says you can discipline <laughs> yes. yourself in your meditations to communicate with your yogic master. You can actually communicate better than if the person was standing in front of you. So you don't actually have to be with them. And you know, a lot of this sort of like Trump University. You know, he wasn't there, he didn't have anything to do with it, but it was better. It was better for people. Um, I'll bet (laughs) you a lot of listeners do this with Adam. I bet they can't be with him physically, but so you meditate to be able to communicate with him. I'll bet a lot of people do that.
2: I I doubt anybody does
0: that. Adam, answer the phone. What? Now? Yeah, answer the phone. I don't want... All right. Hello? Hello, Adam. Hello. (laughs) It's me, Woody Rose (laughs) Fightman. Did you hear me this morning? I spent a couple what? of hours sitting cross-legged on my mother's couch chanting, Adam Felba, he's my man. If he can't do it, no one can. My mother's ready to wring your neck.
5: Uh,
2: well, <laughs> wow, uh, Winnie, first of all, that doesn't sound like a particularly meditative chant. It sounds, in point of fact, like a like a cheer at a football game
0: cheer for you do you play football?
2: um no, not anymore no, but that's what it sounded like.
0: Well, then it's not a football cheer. look, I've gotta go. I'm gonna meditate some more while my mother is out. Listen for me, please. I'll be communicating with you momentarily. Adam Felber he's my man Win- Winnie
2: Winnie, this is ridiculous. this is ridiculous.
0: Adam, are you there? yes? Oh, my God, you can hear me? My darling, I I knew I could reach you. Adam Felber, he's my man.
2: Winnie, if Winnie, he, I hear yeah. you because we're on the phone and you called me.
0: Well, I said I had to go. Why didn't you hang up the phone? You don't know how to use the <laughs> phone. You hang up when you're done talking. That's how you do it. You must have the worst ah. phone bills. Great. Now my mother's coming up the stairs. I have to go. So now you hang up the phone. Winnie? What the fuck is the matter with you? I'm hanging up and you should hang up too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Winnie rhodes Feynman, everybody.
0: Um. Um. Whoa. Whoa. That was a...
2: Wow. That was a really... uh,
0: First of all... Winnie mm-hmm. uh, is apparently one hell of a uh, what do you call it meditator that she's able to conjure you up. That's fantastic. Well, well no, fantastic. I was still
2: on the phone as we've as we've as we've established, but also well, um, I thing. will say this for Winnie, she is more dil- diligent in uh, keeping up with our uh, book club than Bonnie Burns.
0: Oh yeah, well, Bonnie, Bonnie Donnelly doesn't read. But she also doesn't answer the question. (laughs) I'd
3: love to see... We got a book club. We got a book club. I'd love to see
0: Bonnie testify in court.
2: Oh, no. (laughs) 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 That would be something special. But with that, I'm going to call this week's uh, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone Book Club to a close. Paula Poundstone, bail us out with a vocabulary word, would you?
0: Adam, I have a word. It's horripilation. It's a noun that means the erection of hair on top of the skin due to cold, fear, or excitement. Uh, here, I'll, u- I'll use it in a... Oh my gosh, Adam, answer the phone! What? Answer the oh, phone! God. Hello? Uh, uh, Hello? Adam? Uh, uh, Adam, yeah. it's uh, Senator yes. Bernie Sanders. I I, 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 would like to uh, use the word horripilation in a sentence for the edification of your listeners, because okay. I am intimately involved with horripilations I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. As I have much work to do for the American people, which I'm sure you understand, as you have said, you've been involved in politics your entire life. (laughs) Although I don't recall hearing any of your speeches or seeing you at any of the literally thousands of political events I have attended in my lifetime.
2: Well, I've actually met you, uh, but I never said I've made speeches.
0: A lifetime in politics and not one speech. That's a record. (laughs) Senator Sanders, that's
2: not what I said.
0: Adam, I I appreciate your position, but we are going to have to move on here. Could we get back to the subject at hand, which is heripolation? I will use it in a sentence. (laughs) Beneath my mittens and jacket at the inauguration of President Joe Biden, I experienced heripolation. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's such a wonderful word i i i guess i could spare a few more minutes to put it into the vocabulary song
2: oh no sir senator really uh paula usually does the vocabulary song and and look you're a you're a busy man so uh, uh, you know
0: what i i would love to have him do it i'll i'll even give him a little glock thank you paula This week's word is horribilation. Let me be clear. It's a noun that means the erection of hair on the skin due to cold fear or excitement. Got hair so thick I couldn't squeeze through a tight vent. Last week's word was ineffable. Let me be clear. It's an adjective that means too great or extreme to be expressed in words. Elected officials supporting the big lie are really turds. The week before that, the word was nader. Let me be clear, it's a noun that means the lowest point in the fortunes of a person or organization. I'm trapped in an elevator with an evangelical Christian and a nauseated Dalmatian. Going back before that, the word was mumpsimus. Let me be clear, it's a noun that means a traditional custom or notion adhered to, although shown to be unreasonable. No one's mean at Christmas time, cause it's unseasonable. And not long ago, the word was sucker. Let me be clear, it's a <laughs> noun that means help given to someone who is suffering or in difficulty, a fine assist from Jimmy McNulty. Let's never forget Gallimor which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused, jumble, or medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's Pudge? Hodgepodge. Bernie. Woo! Bernie. Oh, my gosh. Thank thank Bernie. you, Senator Sand. I got so flustered, I could barely do the clock at the end of that. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. It was, it was absolutely a pleasure. Adam, I'll see you on the campaign trail.
2: I... <laughs> I would hope not, Senator Sanders. Sanchez.
5: Well,
0: your entire life, your entire life, you've been involved with um, politics, all right. and uh, I'm sure I'll see you out there. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Adam Felber. <laughs> I
2: really have been involved in politics. Okay. Coming up, Shakespeare once wrote, There is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And then he wrote, there is also no energy policy, either good or bad. But my Elizabethan think tank says we should stick with coal. We'll dive into the think tank next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone.
4: Hey, Paula.
2: You know... A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the comfort stretch traveler five pocket pants. And I got the, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good.
0: I ordered the brushed Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs. So I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it. But his name is Theo, and he has a really gravelly voice. So he'll... It's, it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression. Um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay, so earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yowling because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love. That's what I say. <laughs> what is not to love. <laughs> Because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash
2: Paula. That's A-S-P-C-A. We spell that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula.
0: Mother Teresa said, "I hi, Jose the big chair.
4: <laughs> Thank you,
2: house band Raymond Horton. Hey, Paula Poundstone, what are you thinking about?
4: You
0: know, Adam, I've been thinking a lot lately. And I've also begun to wonder if I should be in a tank. What do you mean? a think tank. Oh, because if you I'm thinking, think, should I be in a tank? Uh
2: well that's that's not only an interesting question, Paula, but an amazing coincidence because Why? we have an expert on the subject of think tanks right here with us. No. I don't know how this keeps happening every week, but yes, Brett Theodos is a senior fellow and director of the Community Economic Development Hub at the Urban Institute. He also directs Measure for Change, which provides technical assistance and facilitates a community of practice for nonprofits. Please welcome Brett Theodos. Great. Brett, welcome. You here.
6: Thanks hey, so much.
0: Brett. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, let's start with the basics, shall we? What is a think tank? I personally picture people who just sit and think behind glass. And tourists come to see them think and sometimes tap on the glass to see if they can distract them.
6: That's pretty much right if the people are... Wearing glasses and working with protractors—that's um, basically <laughs> <an opinion. laughs> hmm. I feel uh, like
2: the behind glass part isn't really happening.
6: No, no, no. Good Morning America, Today Show style. No, people aren't that interested in what we do. Uh, a think tank is a nonprofit that pays attention to or comments on or. Advocates for or helps draft policy like laws or regulations, and it does research some of them on policy and impacts and also studies programs and how they work
0: if it's nonprofit and by the way if you if you help with technology uh, assistance for nonprofits you're going to want to get in bed with this podcast um, uh, <laughs> We can we, we can prove ourselves easily to be nonprofit and, uh, and and we can use all the help we can get. If it's nonprofit, who writes the check? How do you get paid?
6: Yeah, it's such a good question. A think tank is not a think tank is not a think tank right So some of them are nonpartisan like where I work and we do research and we basically sell our services to governments and foundations mostly. And we evaluate things and we research things, but there are other think tanks that are affiliated more with ideologies and positions. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And they get paid by people who have a lot of money or some of them get lots of small donations, but they're also more partisan or ideological think tanks.
0: Uh-huh. Now, all right. So what kind of projects do you work on? Like tell me a project that you worked on that worked. And and how do you know it works when it works?
6: I think the best way that you know it works is people write you <laughs> or they call you and they say, hey, uh, but that could be good or bad. So sometimes it might be that you get a message, for example, that the mayor of Detroit is personally furious with you and your findings that show that his investments in the city don't do any better than the private banks, that they're just as segregated. And then you get that call, but you know, it worked. You got the attention.
0: So give me an example of the project itself that one would get such a response from.
6: I've been looking at where money is invested in neighborhoods across the country and spoiler alert, There's a lot of inequality out there, and some neighborhoods
2: get
6: get a lot, and some don't.
2: This sounds implausible to me. I mean, sure, there was inequality in the past, but that's probably, it's a thing of the past now. We fixed it.
6: We We did. We did. Through tax cuts.
2: Yeah, we fixed it through tax cuts. Right, exactly. People had more money to spend, and they created jobs.
6: It all trickled down. Yep. Yes.
0: So you were studying geographic inequality, is that correct? That's right. And how, how do you go about doing that?
6: I get data about what properties sell for. I get data about what loans are made for homes and for commercial properties like where supermarkets go and for nursing homes and anything you can think of that's in a city. And then we added up and we see like, wow, this neighborhood along the lake got a whole bunch of money. And this neighborhood with the industrial site and the contamination and the railroad tracks got very little. And it just so happens that this neighborhood is also really wealthy and not. And it also so happens that when we look at race and ethnicity, those things are really predictive of where the money's going on.
0: So when you say where the money's going, do you mean money that gets borrowed to build these things?
6: Yeah, because homeowners borrow money, but also business owners borrow money to grow their small business, but also developers, like you want to build a new apartment building or a condo building or a shopping mall, all of that, developers are borrowing money to build. They're not, they don't have all that money up front. So yes.
0: And- in the case where you, you were mention the mayor of Detroit, um, what were they
1: upset about?
6: They're <laughs> upset that the city so, – so what we've been finding in every city, not just Detroit, is these huge segregation patterns that the private market's doing, that the bank, big banks are doing and, and other lenders. But usually the city and the federal government, and community development institutions, they're doing better. And in Detroit, we didn't find that we found they looked a lot like the private market and so the city was not happy with that by.
0: And so when you say doing better, you mean that the private the, you know banks were loaning were loaning more equitably?
2: Yes, exactly. And you're saying that what you found in Detroit is that their patterns were more like the commercial banks in that they were neglecting uh communities that were already underserved.
6: Yeah, and not to Dog on Detroit too much. It's just a city that struggles to raise a lot of tax revenue. But this is something that we've looked at in a lot of cities. And the hope is that even if the private market is equitable, that the government would step in and help and redistribute. The problem is even where it does, even in cities where it does, it's just so much smaller. So, you know, it's a penny on the dollar or two or three pennies on the dollar relative to what the private market's doing so it's really hard to get over those inequities in the private market
0: do you do any work with the city of floyd's knob indiana <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> when you when you hear the show in its entirety that will make a lot more sense to you.
0: <laughs> it's where our house band is from floyd's knob indiana He's a euphonium player, uh, and, and
2: that's all through uh, federal money. It's federal money being distributed for the euphonium lobby in in Floyd's Knob, as far as I understand it.
0: Big euphonium has Floyd's Knob tied <laughs> up. Um, <laughs> all right, so so you discovered that. Okay, have you worked on a project where you're trying to improve things, and then you? do improve them? And what are the pillars? How do you go about doing that? What, What are the spokes?
6: That's a great question. Ultimately, the way, if we're successful, that we've influenced a politician to do something positive. Sometimes a foundation, sometimes a company, but really the power sits with the government. And so when we get our literal interim steps of, getting invited to testify before Congress or getting a call from a congressional staffer that says, hey, there's this idea that I'm interested in. Can you help me figure out how to turn it into legislation? Those are the the little steps. And then if that legislation passes and if we get a law that's actually productive or a program or a policy, those are the wins. But if you're trying to improve a poor community, I think the first thing that I take away from looking at everything we've tried, right? Because we've been trying for decades. It's not that we haven't been trying at all, but Mm -hmm. we're effectively bringing a squirt gun to a raging fire. And so we're not really fundamentally that interested yet in as a country or a society doing, you know, bringing the multiple fire trucks that it would need to put out the fire.
0: Well, then let me ask you this. How do you get up in the morning?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Usually on the, usually on the left side of the bed. Uh,
0: Yeah. So so you have a bed. All right. So, because, yeah. And the fact that you say we've been doing this for, you know, for a decade, for a really, really long time, trying to solve these problems and, and yeah. How do you guys market the information that you have how do you get your information out there does it always have to be like a staff uh, you know a a congressional staff person calls you or do you 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 know do skywriting or maybe over during a game you could have that airplane that tugs the thing the sign about Bud Light
6: that is an untapped market that I'm gonna look into
2: you could have flown it over a Lions game and let the whole city know in Detroit (laughs) Uh, it is a funny mix of what we're selling. We're
6: selling like things are bad and you need to do something. But also there's this hope that if you just did this thing, if you made this change, life would be better. So it, 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 it's not always policy. I mean, a big way that we can make a difference is getting in the media and getting people to pay attention to issues that they might have been ignoring before. So there's definitely uh, a symbiotic relationship there between the research community and the media. They need our data, and we need
0: their eyes. Do you ever think of getting a good theme song out there, maybe with some reggae? <laughs>
6: I wonder if the <laughs> listeners could help. You,
0: with that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know someone who's a hell of a theme song writer.
2: Well, you know, Mister Ghostface Killer once said, "Sometimes you just gotta chill. You gotta chill your thinking process." We'll put our think tanking brains on ice when we come back. <laughs> Cat of the week is Kiri from Fredonia, New York.
4: And we are
2: back with Brett Theodos. Paula?
0: Brett, how do you decide what projects you're going to work on? Does somebody just say one day, let's go around the room and say what we're thinking about? And then...
2: (laughs) But wait, wait, wait. First, let's get in the tank.
0: Yeah, get in the tank, everybody, everybody in the tank. Um, Does your particular think tank, by the way, have a, you're the urban, um, tell me again, urban?
6: Institute, yep.
0: The urban institute. Well, that's kind of broad.
6: (laughs) It is. It is broad.
0: Um, So how do you decide?
6: So there's a difference depending what think tank you sit at. So some of the more ideological or donor-driven think tanks, they have a, an agenda. They have their priorities. They have a sense of what policies they want to move and they chart it out every beginning of the year, whenever they sit down and, and they move it. Ours is more of a nonprofit. A think a research organization who will respond to researcher interests and donor interests. So specifically, if I've got an idea and I can get somebody to fund it, I can do it. Or a funder can approach me and say, hey, I'm really interested in studying this. Would you like to do it? Or they might it But might could be you just
2: do something where you're like, I want to find out where, you know, which neighborhoods have the best restaurants in LA? So I'm gonna to need to eat pretty much everywhere.
6: <laughs> if somebody could pay me to do that, I could do that yeah. project. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. And then you could write and then you could write that book. Eat, think, bray. Uh, which um, now let me ask you this, Brett, in terms of the housing and uh, community business interests that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Why? Like I've seen pieces on the News Hour on PBS any number of times about um, the inequities in lending and they're clearly uh, discriminatory. Why are lenders able to get away with uh, uh, discrimination?
6: You know, there's a difference between murder and manslaughter, and that's intent. (laughs) And intent isn't always easy to prove. And so there's real issues with trying to demonstrate what rises to the level of discrimination and what is just the fact that our society has deeply entrenched historical system based inequality? And so uh, there are ways to get at it. And the fancy terms are around disparate impact and disparate treatment. Uh, but this is something that's thought about between presidential administrations that is before the Supreme Court. Uh, so there's real issues around how to enforce it but there's also the reality that a lot of our regulators over time have been very comfortable with the institutions that they regulate and have not too much rocked boats and really pushed to get different outcomes uh, in the way that
2: we deploy capital (laughs) so you're saying it's It's more of a pattern then than a thing where you can prove discrimination in any given case
6: exactly. And if you can do that over time and show a pattern and show people being a lot worse than their peers and show maybe they picked their policy on some seemingly neutral criteria, but that has a not neutral result in the world, you you, you can't enforce that. You can litigate it. but it's it's this is contested. And so, It's something that happens. There are penalties for discrimination, but for example, penalties were very limited under the Trump administration through the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, whereas- That's shocking. ...they weren't before.
0: Is this a familiar refrain in a court case of something of this nature? Everyone else was doing it. Has that argument been launched a lot? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
6: that's
0: it yeah it wasn't just me everyone else did it yeah
6: i mean yeah, what, what's very, normal is is
0: yeah very powerful now, well you talked to citibank
2: okay. citibank did it too but you're picking on me <laughs> talk to citibank
0: wells wells fargo isn't even allowed to talk in court anymore <laughs> just it's just I'm with Wells. Sit down. I'm with Wells. Sit down. Poor Wells Fargo. Remember when they got caught cheating and doing bad shit like years ago, and so um, they started this new campaign with someone actually riding on a uh, you know a Wells Fargo uh, uh, wagon. Uh-huh. And they sort of try to go back, like you know, there was a time when a man could just trust a man, and um, now, now if they just say the word trust, it just triggers people. It's a terrible idea. Um, all right, so Brett, when I was a young adult, I lived in the city of Boston and the city of San Francisco. I did. I worked minimum minimum wage jobs. I could eat, rent an apartment, I was clothed. I could occasionally go to the movies. even went to a play or two. I could not do that now. What has happened that's made so many cities too expensive for young people to live?
6: So there's two problems. The first is on the income side. So minimum wage. There's
0: only two problems. <laughs> let's do this right now. You take one. I'll take the other. And let's fix it. Okay. Yeah, we
2: have a think tank. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll get
0: coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, Brett. Go ahead. So there's two problems.
6: <laughs> two problems. First is on the income side. So minimum wage is not kept pace with inflation. We have not had a minimum wage adjustment in years, and it's not pegged to inflation. So the minimum wage in 1985 was not the same as it is today. So incomes are tougher, and it's not as easy to live because it's literally less money for what you can buy problem one problem two is the rent is too damn high yes i mean it's just too high we got these supply constraints with housing in hot market cities california we don't have building you know our economy is such that a lot of people want to live in the same place and there's a lot of places that people don't really want to live and so there's a lot of demand in some markets that's not being met
0: rent uh, how are rents in floyd's knob do you have any idea floyd's knob indiana
2: I, I can't say.
0: Yeah, uh, my guess is that's a that's a destination.
2: My guess well, all rent is paid directly to Floyd.
0: Yeah, well, or his knob.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, Brett, some projects that you're working on, that your think tank is working on. Now. What are you thinking about?
6: So one thing I'm thinking a lot about right now are small businesses and how we can help Overcome some of the gaps we see in ownership. So you look by race, for example, and you see that you know Hispanic people, Latinx people in this country are like 16% of the population, but own 4% of businesses and have 2% of revenues. And Black people in this country uh, are like 13, 14% of adults and have 2% of businesses and 1% of revenues. So, wow, basically we're in a terrible spot. Uh, And so one thing that I'm spending a lot of time on as well is how do we overcome? How do we not have 1% of business revenues owned by Black business owners or 2% by Latinx business owners?
0: And what kind of research do you do to figure out what will work to improve those situations?
6: So we look at a couple things. And what we try to figure out is what are the obstacles? Do people need more coaching and assistance and help in starting their businesses? Or is it that they already know how to do that stuff and what they need is money? They need lending, capital, a loan, or do they need like equity investment? And so part of what I'm doing is evaluating programs that are working out in the world where we're saying, hey, you said you'd accomplish this. We go back in 18 months. Let's look at the business. Did it grow? Is it still in business? Did it hire more people? Like, checkmark we don't give letter grades but a plus if we gave it or b minus or whatever and some of it is you know talking to people talking to business owners talking to lenders talking to policymakers about what's doing and lifting up those examples about how we can push farther and and some of it's looking at more creative solutions like maybe adam you don't feel comfortable giving paula a loan but what if i said that i would pay you back if your loan went bad, well, then you might oh. be willing to make a loan. Totally.
0: I just want to say, uh, full disclosure, Adam would have been correct in that scenario. And, um, and you are going to get burnt really badly, Brett. You're going
2: to get burnt double badly because, Brett, in order to loan Paula that money, I'm going to have to borrow it from you?
0: <laughs> you know what kills me? Um, when I go to the bank and there's those posters all over showing a banker helping somebody with their business, if you drew your conclusions only from those bank posters, you would think that 80% of loans went to uh, w- went to minorities. There's always, like, Asian people, Hispanic people, Black people, it's all over those
2: posters. So maybe you're undercounting, Brett. Doesn't a minority receiving a loan on a poster count? Are you undercounting? <laughs> Uh,
6: You know, maybe, 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 maybe Paula
2: sees it right up there on the poster. I, I, you know, she's not in a fancy think tank uh, like
0: you, but she's seeing it. Yeah. I can, I can do lobby math as good as the next guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Brett, that was excellent. And now what we're going to do is run all of this thinky-tanky knowledge through the old pounce donator. Paula?
0: House band Raymond Horton, that euphonium is sounding all the way fine. Thank you so much for being with us. I'd love it if you could give me a little background music here, and I'll tell you what the old pounce Donator spit out. Brett Theodos from the Urban Institute Think Tank. Thanks so much for squeegeeing the glass so we could see into the tank. And thanks for your work. I'm heartened to hear that more and more young people are interested in studying policy making to change these chronic problems, and I believe they will. I picture a time in the future when Brett stands at the head of a large table at the Urban Institute addressing his colleagues. Just an update. As a result of policies implemented by the mayor of Detroit, based on our research and recommendations, rock star entrepreneurs of small businesses like Sourcebook Sellers, Detroit Vegan Soul, K9 to 5, and Good Cakes and Bakes have not only received loans to grow in neighborhoods of color, but have also successfully mentored and trained others to continue the trend. I just got off the phone with the mayor who asked me to thank each of you for your work, and he sent... This sweet potato pie from one of said local businesses. Now, after decades of solving problems, we are back to thinking about our next project. I'll take suggestions. Johnson? Uh, climate change? Uh, you'll recall, Johnson, that we solved that last year. Oh, of course. We've been on such a roll. This choosing a new project part isn't as easy as it once was, huh? Baker? Plastic waste in the environment? Oh wait, never mind. We did that, didn't we? Indeed, we did. Chavez, uh, the healthcare system? Don, don, donski, Chavez. Oh, I forgot. Of course. Well, you had that two-week vacation. We work fast around here. Feynman. <laughs> I would really like if we could research Adam Felber. <laughs> Feynman, it's not a thing. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) He's a
2: senior fellow and director of the Community Economic Development Hub at the Urban Institute, my old job. Thank you so much, Brett Theodos, everybody.
0: This was wonderful. Thank you so, so much. And good luck on your projects. And um, if you really did uh, want to um, cover my loans with Adam, that would
4: be great. (laughs)
6: Love the show, you guys. Keep it up.
0: Um,
4: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: Fun fact, astronauts can grow up to two inches taller while they're in space, at which point they start getting moody and slamming doors and telling Mission Control, you're not my real dad.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Raymond Horton on the euphonium. Oh, Paula, uh, we have some
2: uh, breaking news here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as everybody knows, one of our favorite guests is Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice, who has come on our show many times to give a good name to animals that often have a bad name. She told us about spiders, she told us about ants, and most recently she came on
0: and told us about pigeons. Very informative, very informative about all three. Uh, And go ahead, tell them the news, tell them the news. All right, here's the news.
2: Dr. Eleanor's pigeons hatched a couple of new pigeons a couple of weeks ago, and she was asking our listeners online what what she should name them. And after uh, suggestions like Dammit and Bonnie and Mike and Winnie and Crinkle and Culpepper, after some thought, Dr. Eleanor Spicer Rice has named her pigeons Paula and Adam.
0: I, I am so flattered. I also can't. I can't help but wonder if on some other planet right now, there's a pigeon that just got two new humans and they named them Breaded and Splat after some of their pigeon friends. <laughs> it's, it's entirely
2: possible. Um, I had never looked at it that way. Um, it's, but... it's quite an
0: honor. You know, my father named my my oldest sister after his dog and um, Arfie got made fun of in school a lot when she was young, but I I think it made her stronger.
2: Okay, well, <laughs> thank you, Dr. Eleanor. And uh, let's hope that Pigeon Paula and Pigeon Adam get along really well and that they both uh, end up being better at finding their way home than Paula is.
0: Tell them I said... <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Paula, now it's time for something really fun. It is the NLTPP QA. And that is a question and answer session for our fans. Now, we get a lot of input from our fans, but we don't ever really answer their questions about what it's like to be on this podcast or what it's like to be Paula Poundstone. You know, just general nuts and bolts, feedback questions like other podcasts do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We don't usually take questions. No, we don't usually peel
2: back the curtain.
0: I I, I got one right here. Okay. I love the podcast. We're lucky to have it. Paula is so funny, and she works so hard. No one else seems to notice, but she does. She gets up in the morning and just shags it all day long with no breaks. I don't even know why she has chairs in her house. She's amazing, isn't she? And that's from Olap P. Notstanoop.
5: Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> uh-huh.
0: that, that feels a little bit li-
2: like you made that up.
0: No, uh, up, uh, uh thank you um and that's a good question am i amazing well uh some people might think so thanks for your question olive
2: uh yeah olive i don't know how i would answer that question although um it's surprising to me olive because all of these other questions came in through tony anita hull
0: yeah this one just showed up in my uh you know so i threw it up there it just showed up in my in my, in my public email.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for doing that. <laughs> Meanwhile, let's bring the other questions forward. And uh, Tony, need a hole with them. Tony, bring that big bag of questions.
1: Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, we are. First one is from Karen Douglas. For each of you, if you could snap your fingers and instantly be really good at one new skill, what would it be?
0: Um... I would say folding uh because I've always wanted to have a laundromat that offers a fluff and fold and I would love to be able to fold like precision like military folding um but I don't I don't have the I can't Any talent and you you'll go for folding I would love to have a, a fluff and fold like but not just any fluff and fold I would like to have a fluff and fold that is renowned that people People all over the world talk about it as a destination. People want to come see the folding because it's so precision.
2: <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a good tell I, I don't think that would be my answer. I don't even think Fold would make my top 200. If I could have one skill that, that, I, that I don't have, it would be a facility for learning foreign languages and being fluent in them. I would love to speak Italian and French and Japanese and really understand them, and, and I don't.
0: Well, you have been so influenced by this Eat, Pray, Fuck book.
2: (laughs) No! No. Yeah. Yeah. There's no no shame in it,
0: Adam. There's no shame in it. No, I wanted to speak
2: Italian long before Elizabeth Gilbert ever popped into my life.
0: Yeah. But as it happens, we're reading this book. You voted for this book. She learns Italian. Yeah. Okay. There's nothing to be ashamed of. By the way, if I had... uh, One thing I would learn is to snap better so that I could uh, have more skills... Um
2: oh, you don't snap well?
0: Yeah. Well, if it could create a skill, I then I yeah. yeah. Uh that would be great. I would like to have the skill of being a novelist. Um, you know. So I I would like to just just like that churn out novels. I wanna make Dickens look like the the poster child for writer's block. Um Wow. Yeah. I want a friend to call me on the phone and say, you know, can you go out to dinner? And my answer would be, yeah, I, I just got to sift one more time and write a novel. Um, can I can I get back to you in two hours like that's.
2: Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Here's another here's another uh, question that I received. Uh, this is from uh, this is from Swirly Wilkins. Uh, this podcast Swirly. gets me through my chores with joy. Sometimes I clean the toilet twice in a row just so I can keep listening to Paula Poundstone. Am I wrong? Well, uh, Swirly, thank you for your question. Um, no, I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Swirly Wilkins. Huh, it's so thanks. weird
2: that all the messages you receive never seem to have anything to say about me or Tony or Bonnie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's huh. It's a coincidence.
2: Anyway, Tony, uh, let's have another one.
1: This is from Matt Clark. How familiar are the guests with the podcast? Are there any guests who have expressed regret at appearing or for not being better prepared?
0: Well, Matt, when you say how familiar are the guests with the podcast, let me just point out that nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. So not familiar <laughs> at all.
2: <laughs> not at all. Um, as far as regrets are concerned, uh, one example leaps to mind Um As most of you know, we had that survivalist Thomas Coyne not show up on our podcast.
0: I think he was eaten by a bear. On the he was coming to tell us to how to, uh, uh, you know, what preventative measures to take around, you know, if you encounter a bear. And I'm fairly certain he encountered a bear there in North Hollywood, just on his way. He was probably just about to turn the handle at the door of the of the uh, studio where you were using. (laughs) and uh, just eaten by a bear.
2: Gray Horseman Studios. Yeah, yeah, it
0: was very a uh, big nature area right there where we were.
2: Yeah, I'm guessing that didn't happen, but I, I would say that even if that did happen, that would still count as uh, something he probably regretted.
0: Well, you know, Brian Cranston uh, was so unprepared for being on our show that um, he was never booked and never came. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right, Tony. Yeah. Hit us hit us with another one.
1: This is from Kathy Bailey, and this one's for you, Paula. Are you going to be able to keep the pod going now that you're on the road again?
0: Oh my gosh, Kathy, I, I would crawl through broken glass to do this podcast. There's nothing that will stop me from doing. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, so yes. Absolutely, and uh, oh my gosh. Look, I just got another one. Uh, Paula Poundstone is so extraordinary. She's extra extraordinary. I know there are other people on the show, but I don't really listen when they're talking. Have I missed anything? (laughs) And that's from um, uh, Nan Observon.
2: Uh, Well, I would answer that, Nan, but you'd never hear it. So I guess it's up to Paul to answer this one.
0: No, I think you're in the clear, Nan. Don't worry about it. Uh, and thanks for your wow. thanks for your letter. That's thanks for your letter.
2: Insulting. That was actually insulting. There.
1: Okay. Uh, Tony, <laughs> let's
0: go back to you.
1: How about one about our dear Bonnie Burns? This is from Doug Deluga. Is Bonnie really like that, or is it some kind of performance art? Oh, that's a um,
2: good question.
0: Well, I'd like to answer that question using the same technique that Bonnie answered. Uh, questions about <laughs> the book in the book club <laughs> which is um, do you ever eat popcorn and get like the hulls stuck in between your teeth <laughs> and, or, and, or, and, and like months later you happen to touch your the back of your teeth with your tongue and you feel the hull and you realize oh my god that's been there for months um, thank you for your question i want
2: to i want to attempt a semi-real answer which is which is um first thank you for that question and second uh i would say it's a combination bonnie like all of us here on the podcast we're kind of we kind of play up who we are and accentuate the things that make us entertaining and um i think and we do that to each other as well so yes bonnie's like that no bonnie's nothing like that right bonnie
3: i'm really nothing like that (laughs) <laughs> I'm really nothing like that. I'm just having a lot of fun, honestly. Uh, uh hold on. I I this just popped up on
0: my email. Uh Paula Poundstone is insightful yet silly. She's a darling, she's a demon, she's a lamb. There's no containing her. How do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? And that's from the mother superior. Uh that's an excellent question. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much for your man. question, Mother Superior. Um, it, it's, it can't be done. It, it absolutely can't be done. You're right about that. And thank, thank you for your question. Wow, boy, wow. I just keep getting questions
2: over here. You, yeah, but your questions aren't really questions so much as they are compliments that are exclusively for you.
0: No. How, do you see the question? How do you hold a moonbeam in your hand? That's a question.
2: Yeah, but it's mostly it's a in, It ends with a in little... a
0: question mark. You know nothing of punctuation.
2: I, I know a little. Um, Tony, uh, let's have another one.
1: This is from Liz Corrigan. What is it really like to be on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Uh,
0: it is violent. Um, I've come home covered in in bruises. And I, I, when I say, I mean like Mitch McConnell purple. Uh, that Roxanne Roberts wants to win, let me tell you.
2: That is true. She is. She, she definitely wants to win, and she will do anything it takes. And also, you know, the things that Peter Sagal makes us do backstage are unspeakable.
0: Yeah, it's not like what you'd think. It's not as NPR as you might think. Yeah, uh, y- you know what? It's so much fun to do. It is. No, it, 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 it is
2: one of the few nothing but enjoyable uh, gigs that I've had. It's just it's oh, it's fun to to get there to Chicago. It's fun to see all my friends. It's fun to do the show, and it's fun to sign autographs afterwards. I got no
0: complaints. NC. No complaints. NC. (laughs) All right. Tony, uh, bring us another.
1: This is from Effie Hats Santino. How much of the show is scripted and does anyone follow the script?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you can't tell it's practically all scripted? (laughs) <laughs> um,
2: there's there's some scripted elements um uh
5: effie i would just
0: <laughs> 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 go ahead, go ahead, tell Effie Adam.
2: <laughs> right, um, there are some scripted elements. Uh, a lot of them used to be written by Ken Lizebnik. Um, he's on hiatus right now, so 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 I do a lot of that. Um, Paula script certain parts. I'm sure that you can you probably recognize when either of us are reading. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of going off book as far as that's concerned. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh. Are you gonna be more specific? Did you Yes. Alright, I'll be more specific.
0: Um For example, you know, Bonnie, um- so when you just said are you gonna be more specific? Uh what
3: page was that on in the script? There was no, I mean <laughs> the scripted elements are like the opening, the throws to commercial. That's pretty much it. And some questions for the Yes. yes, that you yes. start out with, and then you know it kind of goes you, wherever. There's like a ex- excuse me, but structure. you flubbed
0: that line right there. Read it more carefully. It's yes. not, that's pretty much it. It's that's pretty much tit is what it said, which I think is inappropriate. Tit, yes, but yeah, that's so what, if you, uh, okay. you you went off script. It's that yeah yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I, okay. I
2: think it should be obvious. I mean, Paula, I am not. Improvising the top of every show, and Adam, Paula does Adam, not improvise Adam, the um, me. It's my line vocabulary now. song. Adam,
0: Adam, pardon me. It's, it's Paula. It's you're on the wrong page. Now. You're on the wrong page. No, I'm. This is the right page. Uh, Effie, thank you for that question. Uh, the entire thing is scripted. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Tony.
1: This is from Miranda Lamori. I want a deep dive on Tony Anita Hall. Why is she always on a cruise? How did she get mixed up with Paula?
0: Well, well and this, Tony, is, this, us- is my, this is my line. Hold on. Tony <laughs> has made some very bad choices in her life. <laughs>
2: um, oh, uh, This is my line. Um, Paula, that's unfair. Let Tony speak for herself. And by that, I mean, let me tell you. I uh, know Tony started on the um on the podcast really early on wasn't it like 2 weeks in Tony or something like that
1: Yeah Thomas Coyne was one of my first guests
0: Good job Tony good job
1: And I cried I cried hysterically when I got home that night when he didn't show up Have yeah. you been
0: have you been pursuing the search for Thomas Coin at a vengeance this is like the fugitive
1: I probably haven't been pulling my weight as much as I should Honest to God, you travel
0: much more than the rest of us.
1: <laughs> that's true. I'll be going on a cruise in December to oh. Mexico.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> what you know what? If I were you, I'd wait until I would wait until January when COVID would have spread a little bit more. And and that's <laughs> that's better. What's the matter with you?
1: You have to be vaccinated to go on the cruise. Uh-huh.
0: That's good. Oh, then what could
2: possibly go wrong?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the best place for you right there, it's in close quarters. Um, and don't you worry about those variants or variantes, as uh, don't worry, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> all right, Tony, I think you should get in as much work as you can before December. Uh, so, Tony, am I correct that Patty Parker had a question? Patty Parker, yep,
1: she wants to know how did everyone meet?
0: Uh, I just want to say for myself that I was working as a writer on Little House on the Prairie. Um, <laughs> I was dissatisfied there. They, they never used my ideas. Um, like, I thought they should do an episode where Laura, or Halfpint, um, steals another kid's stick. Or maybe one where uh, the mother sews a dress for the older sister, and when it's done... Um, it's too tight, and so they don't feed her for a week or so um, because it's a lot of work to sew a dress. Um, those were my oh, wow. ideas for Little House on the Prairie scripts, and they kept not using them. And <laughs> then I, I met Bonnie Burns, who was doing craft services over there.
5: Um, <laughs> She used to make little cheese
0: and cracker sandwiches for Michael Landon. This was a long time ago. And, um, yeah. And then, Bonnie, how did you meet the others? (laughs) Uh,
3: Well, I was doing a talk show. Uh Uh-huh. And we had Francesca Hilton on. When they asked her what she thought of her mother, she held the tape recorder up and pushed the button, and it was a recording of her saying... I don't care. <laughs> it's insightful. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie Burns. I met Adam to you.
2: Oh, you don't remember, Bonnie, but that's not true. I was a successful Broadway. In the 90s, I was a successful Broadway actor performing under a different name. And uh, oh. one night I got taken home uh, by this woman. Um, oh. We took a shower together.
0: Oh, um, this is the mystery of the shower partner.
2: And At one point, at one point she stepped out downstairs for, for reasons that I do not understand. Um, next thing I knew, I decided Broadway wasn't for me. Changed my name yeah. and got into comedy.
5: No,
0: that's not true. Well, that's a beautiful
3: story. I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's absolutely
2: true. Absolutely yeah, what wow. happened.
3: No, I met you through Paula. And she said she really liked you. You were very funny, and uh, Tony was the only person we interviewed for the job, and we knew her from, she took Ken's master's We knew her from we knew her from the Price Is Right program.
0: We knew her from the Price Is Right, where she used to um, point <laughs> to the speedboat. Yeah. She was she was any she had a very exclusive contract with the Price Is Right. Anytime the prize was a boat of any kind, Tony pointed to it. Um, yeah, and Paul, she, I
2: remember uh, you saying distinctly, if she can point out a boat, she can help produce a podcast. Exactly. I, it's clear as day. I remember that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and she always wore a muumu. That was one of the things that was just charming about her, right from the start. Moo Tony,
2: we called her yeah. Muumu Tony.
0: Remember Tony. that? Yeah. Oh my gosh! What a beautiful Tony past moomoo. we have. Well, these were a fantastic questions. Thanks to everyone. Who wrote in. Um, yeah,
2: and keep, keep them coming. We'll, we'll do this again. This is re- It's really fun to have a moment to get really honest and let you know about Tony Moo, Moo and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So, hey, if you have <laughs> any questions or comments, of course, you can opt in on Facebook and say stuff, or you could drop us a line at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. Paula, what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week?
0: At PaulaPoundstone.com, listeners can find my remarkably soft tri-poly blend t-shirts with my self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back in both standard and baseball styles. But what? You're looking for my social justice rap song, not my Butterfinger? It's on my website, PaulaPoundstone.com. Of all the things that need to change, there are many. In the Butterfinger recipe, there weren't any. provide equal opportunity that's lunacy anyone can see can't they address that deep regret instead of just fucking with my chocolate some things need to change some things need to change but not my butterfingers but not my butterfingers but what you want the ringtone too it comes with the song at (laughs) paulapoundstone.com You can also get tickets to join me for a night of laughter in Tucson, Arizona, at the Fox Tucson Theater on October 28th. And again, I had nothing to do with the burning of the Wigarama. In Santa Cruz, California, at the Rio Theater on October 29th. And in Thousand Oaks, California, at the Thousand Oaks Performing Arts Center on November 5th. There's more, of course, but...
2: Heidi. Um, and, and let me just add that um, with Halloween approaching, you really want to pre-order one of the currently top 10 books about horror movies on Amazon.com. <laughs> and that, of course, is the book Confessions of a Puppet Master, an amazing Hollywood memoir written by Charles Band with Adam Felber coming from William Morrow Books in November. So so pre-order now.
0: Yeah, you got to have those to drop in the kids' uh, Halloween bands. Yeah.
2: It, it, it's a jack-o'-lantern stuffer. Okay, subscribe to this podcast, everybody. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. And if you want to hit us up for uh, knowledge, it's free at no charge. And if there's a subject or topic you want to hear more about, hit us up at Poundstone at gmail.com. And that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone It's hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Brett Theodos. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and to our euphonium playing house band Raymond Horton
5: Yay! You can
2: find his music at Ray Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Starburns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at TranscribeMe.com to receive an expedited service.
0: That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me?
2: It's a lot of really nice letters that you're receiving, Paula.
0: Oh my gosh! I didn't even read them all. There was there were so many more. I mean, questions like they 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 weren't in the script. <laughs> that's uh, Adam... No,
2: almost everything Adam, we say, including this, is scripted, and, and yet those letters no, just kind of no, appeared. no, no.
0: That, that's my line. They weren't in the script. Now that's your line. Do you?
2: Oh yes, and then they just appeared. <laughs> What's that about?
0: Yeah, I got them. Yeah, you, you uh, go, go, my, go, go. Yours. I, I got them on my, on my, line, line. Can somebody give me my line?
2: Oh uh, yes, the line is I pulled them out of my ass.
0: That's not the line. <laughs> uh, Read the script. It's I, all right. Who wrote that? That's a prank. I. <laughs> No, they were coming in in real time. They were coming in on my public email.
5: Oh, your Um, public email.
0: Yeah, here's another one right here. Here's another one. Um, Paula's fantastic, isn't she? Um, Yeah, and that's from, uh, it just says, a fan. Well, thank you, fan. Thank you. Maybe I'm reading that wrong. Maybe it's a period fan.
1: Oh, I think it is. Well, thank you, Mrs. Fan.